0: Welcome to Deckert's Committed Capital. This is an episode of Sidecar, a special bite sized discussion of the latest market issues.
1: Hello, and welcome to Committed Capital Sidecar, Deckert's series of bite sized podcast episodes giving quick updates on developments affecting private equity. I'm Jeremy Zucker. I'm a partner in Deckert's national security practice, and I'm joined today by my partners Darshak Dalakia and Rishi Hari. On today's episode, we'll focus our discussion on an executive order issued on August 9th, 2023 by President Biden. That's the first formal step in establishing a much anticipated new outbound investment regime. Some folks have been referring to it in the run-up to its announcement as a reverse process making reference to the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, which has existed for many decades and is responsible for reviewing potential national security threats posed by foreign investments into the United States. This new regime is looking in the other direction, focusing on outbound flows of investment from the United States, and as we'll be discussing, really should not be viewed as a reverse CFIUS process. It's really its own animal and will present distinct challenges. Uh, Before we dive into the specifics of the executive order and the rules that are likely to follow, it will probably be best to describe first how we got here and why the investing community should pay attention. So Rishi, let me ask you, can you describe for us some of the key elements of what drove this order?
2: Thanks Jeremy, and hello everyone. This all reminds me of one of my favorite scenes in Austin Powers. Mike Myers is driving a steamroller in a warehouse and a security guard starts screaming in anticipation of being hit. And then the camera pans out and the steamroller appears to be moving at engine speed. And there is a mile between the steamroller and the guard. And much like the guard in Austin Powers, we've all been anticipating this order for quite a minute here. It's been one of the more telegraphed announcements in recent memory, and the U.S. PE, VC, and business community has really been paying attention and should continue to pay attention to these developments and think about how it impacts their long-term investment strategy relating to China. As I mentioned, we've been expecting this for a while as officials in the United States have routinely expressed concerns about things like civil-military fusion in China. They've warned about the intangible benefits of U.S. investment in certain sectors in China. Those intangible benefits include things like access to networks, financing, and other benefits. And U.S. officials have long argued that if we can't send some technology to China, why can we support certain industries that then lead to the facilitation of technological investment that's important for the Chinese military, Chinese intelligence and surveillance services, etc.? So this outbound investment regime has been much anticipated, and it's going to continue to develop. There's outside pressure from Congress and from the Biden administration, and there's also several other regulatory programs related to protecting sensitive technology from ending up with American adversaries, export control, sanctions, and the like.
1: Thanks for that color, Rishi. Darshak, can you tell us a bit about what's in the executive order?
0: Thanks, Jeremy. And hello, everyone. Uh, The executive order is intended to regulate investment from the United States into certain sectors in countries of concern, uh, which is the term used by the executive order, as well as rules promulgated by Treasury for proposed rules. The executive order defines the countries of concern currently as only including China and the administrative regions of Hong Kong and Macau. Uh, It's certainly possible that that list expands in the future, but for now, this is very much a China-focused order, and so under the order. A program will be established that regulates investment by U.S. persons into three key sectors in China and Hong Kong and Macau, semiconductors and microelectronics, quantum information technologies, and artificial intelligence. The outbound investment program will entail prohibitions in certain cases uh, on investments by U.S. persons into certain of these sectors, and other cases will permit investments but will require notification to the U.S. government regarding the investment. 30 days after the investment is made. So whether an, an investment falls into one of the three sectors and whether it is prohibited or requires notification depends on the specific activity that's engaged in by the investment target. For example, in the semiconductor sector, US persons would be prohibited from investing in Chinese companies that engage in activities related to the design and production of advanced integrated circuits or related fabrication equipment. US persons would be permitted to invest in Chinese companies that design or fabricate other non-advanced integrated circuits, uh, but they'd still be required to submit a notification to the US government.
1: Starshak, when you were walking through the elements of the order, you kept using the word will, which sounds an awful lot like future tense to me. Uh, can you help our listeners understand what are the today problems
0: as opposed to the tomorrow problems posed by this order? Sure. So uh, unlike many national security related actions by the administration, uh this has no immediate effect. Nothing is prohibited today, and nothing will become prohibited or require notifications until Treasury pr- promulgates actual rules, uh, which will likely be sometime in 2024. The Biden administration does reserve the right to ask questions about transactions that closed between August 9th, when the executive order was issued, and the day the rules become effective, sometime in 2024. So they're already trying to influence behavior, but there's no actual uh, prohibition or notification requirement in place yet. Uh, The Treasury Department, as I mentioned earlier, did, concurrent with the issuance of the executive order, issue their own advanced notice of proposed rulemaking, and that provides further details and color on the proposed scope of the outbound investment regime, and it also presents 83 questions uh, for comment that gives stakeholders an opportunity for feedback. Um, So we certainly have clients that are already seeking to make comments, and those comments are due by September 20.
1: Rishi, maybe you can help us think through what asset managers and the private equity community are certainly focusing on, which is how and how often these new rules are likely to impact their investing behavior.
2: Do you do so. There's, as Darshak mentioned, a lot that remains to be determined by the Treasury Department. But in terms of what the private equity community and asset managers should be thinking about, we expect that acquisitions of equity interests, so m a private equity and venture capital investments, greenfield opportunities, joint ventures, and certain convertible debt financing will all be captured. But there are also important exceptions that we expect Treasury will include when they finally implement the outbound investment regimes. So investments in publicly traded securities or exchange traded funds should be exempt. Certain bank lending will be exempt. So asset managers may find helpful that there are car outs For example, U.S. limited partners in PE funds, venture capital funds, or other pooled investment funds could also have exemptions that are available to them. Some of the criteria for meeting the exemption in the advanced rule that Darshak mentioned is that the limited partner's contribution must be passive and it must be below a de minimis threshold that will be determined in the final rules. The... De minimis thresholds are interesting because they will potentially take into account not only the size of the investment made by a limited partner, but also the nature of the limited partner itself and the size of that limited partner. It's worth noting that Treasury is also considering non-standard minority investor protections that would take a limited partner outside of the exception on the thinking that if a limited partner receives some rights, those rights may not be entirely passive. Those non-standard minority investor protections include membership or observer rights, nomination rights, rights that authorize the involvement in substantive business decisions, management or strategy of both an investment fund as well as the portfolio company or investment being made by that fund. So as a result, some limited partner investments into non-U.S. investment funds or U.S. investment funds could still be subject to the regime. Jeremy, if I may turn the tables on you and ask a question, tell us about the road ahead as this new regulatory regime develops. Well, most
1: immediately, we're about to be in a 45-day comment period that'll run from August 14th, we believe, until September 28th. And as was mentioned a moment ago, the Treasury Department posed more than 80 specific questions in this advance notice of proposed rulemaking. They are clearly actively seeking input from the investing community. It's a remarkably deliberative and consultative process. Frankly, I'm impressed because there's a lot to figure out here and Treasury hasn't decided that it alone is able to figure all this out right from the start. They're trying to look around corners, avoid unintended consequences for the U.S. economy and strike a balance, as they've said, they're trying to do between maintaining an open investment community and environment globally, and protecting U.S. national security. As I mentioned earlier, this is not a reverse CFIUS process. In the CFIUS process, transaction parties submit specific transactions to CFIUS for review, and they hope approval, and are potentially subject to the imposition of some form of mitigation as a condition of receiving U.S. government clearance for the specific deal. CFIUS doesn't engage in reviews of hypotheticals. CFIUS also doesn't issue bright line rules for the investing public to go out and apply on their own. This outbound investment review regime will be entirely different. It will almost be more like a civil law approach. Treasury clearly is intending to come up with some bright line rules and make clear through the publication of the regulations, which specific transactions would be prohibited. End of story. And if you engage in them and they find out, you'll be subject to penalties and potentially forced divestiture. Other types of transaction they intend will be specifically defined as subject to a notification requirement. If you don't timely notify, you'll be subject to penalties. They don't, they, the Treasury Department, don't intend to sit in judgment of particular transactions. They don't intend to screen, review, issue opinions about particular transactions. That means that the way in which these rules get formed will be incredibly important. They'll have to iron out lots and lots of ambiguities and areas where there's simply a lack of clarity in a number of these important defined terms in terms of what's prohibited, in terms of what's subject to a notification requirement, and in terms of what is clearly carved out and exempted. So anyone with doubts should welcome the opportunity to participate in this comment period and play a role in shaping rules that will be useful because they'll be clear, even if they are unwelcome. You know, we've been asked a lot of questions just in the past couple of days since the order was announced uh, about what it all means and what the timing might implicate, because of course we're rolling into a presidential election year. And in my view, I don't think the timing matters very much at all because concerns about the national security threat posed by China, broadly, aren't new, nor are they partisan. Certainly dating back through the Trump administration into the Obama administration, we've seen significant support for a wide range of measures taken to counter perceived threats from China in particular. And those include export controls measures. Those include prosecutorial initiatives at the Justice Department lots and lots of legislation that has enjoyed wide bipartisan support, and all of which dovetails with the national securities of the United States as enunciated by both Democratic and Republican presidents. And while today many people complain about gridlock in Congress, there is at least one congressional committee that is clearly very active and working very well on a bipartisan basis, and it's the House Select Committee on the threat posed by the Chinese Communist Party. They've been very active even in the most recent few weeks, sending out quite aggressive information requests to U.S. investment firms, and then making sure that those letters are well publicized so everyone sees them. It's clear that being tough on China is viewed as being politically beneficial regardless of your party, but it's not just politics. There's clearly legitimate substantive concern. That means that even among policymakers, We wouldn't expect this focus to go away, nor would we expect anyone to be easily convinced that this outbound investment regime that has been under works for so long will be done away with anytime soon. Just a couple other thoughts. As with export controls, as with sanctions, you'd expect this program will be far more effective if it's multilateral. And we were expecting this program to be announced months ago. And when it wasn't, the thinking was because allies weren't yet ready to announce a similar program. And yet here we are with this announcement, and at least a few days later, no other country has said they're doing the same thing. It may well be that while Treasury is working on turning this advance notice of proposed rulemaking into final regulations, they'll also be working hard to ensure that allied countries are getting ready to impose similar restrictions. Otherwise, the U.S. investing community might find that it's subject to restrictions that its competitors don't also face, and everyone will be quick to point out that that will mean that the folks on the other side are still receiving plenty of investment capital. It just won't be American anymore. Uh, so we should all watch for developments in that space. And certainly here at Deckert, Rishi, Darshak, and I, and others with whom we work, will be watching this area closely. We'll continue to publish in this area and we'll welcome the opportunity to answer questions. Please do feel free to reach out to us. Happy to talk at any time. Lushi Darshak, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for the insights. And to our listeners, we hope you found this brief discussion interesting. We'll look forward to talking to you in the future.
0: Thank you for listening to Deckert's Committed Capital. Please subscribe and for more information, visit deckert.com.